Hi, I'm Lori Denning, and this is my podcast, The 20-Minute Scriptorian, where I explore LDS scripture and doctrine for the Come Follow Me curriculum for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Like most of you, I'm a typical Latter-day Saint, and I've held a variety of callings, from gospel doctrine teacher to institute. I've always loved learning and sharing the scriptures of Christ. Recently, I went back to school, and I'm currently a theology student where I get to learn context, history, ancient languages, and more importantly, how to learn. I thought you might want to share in what I was learning, and the 20-minute scriptorian was born. While I am a believer, these thoughts are my own, and they are not an official representation of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Thanks for listening, and join me on the journey as we explore the scriptures and the path of the disciple of Christ. Hey, Scriptorians, this is Lori, and we are the 20-Minute Scriptorian, and we're continuing on 1 Nephi chapter 15 through chapter 22. So we're finishing up 1 Nephi, and today we're going to talk about the structure of the book and why, why we're going to have so much Isaiah coming up and what you can do about it next. So thank you, everybody, for all the shares. I, I know I've asked the last couple episodes to keep sharing and and I really appreciate some people have reached out on Facebook and as well as on the website and the Facebook site, different things anyway. And it's been just fantastic to hear from some of you. And I appreciate the shares. They really mean a lot to me. So thank you. Murphy the dog says, hi. As you know, she hates when I'm on the microphone. So you'll hear her crying throughout the entire thing. Hi, Murphy the dog. All right. So let's jump into it. There is a lot of material. We're not going to be able to get to all of it. This is just a huge, huge amount of material to go through, but some of the most powerful part of First Nephi. I know I say that every time, but I just have loved studying First Nephi with this look. Here's what I want to do today. I want to look at why Nephi, who's writing in his path, in his future, he's writing back and saying, hey, this all happened to me you know, 30 years ago. And so he's probably written some of this maybe on the large plates. Um, again, maybe then a synopsis on the, on the small plates. So he might've even uh, written them twice. He certainly had a lot of time to think about these major events in his life. And he's certainly talked to his brothers, his family. And, and so he's had a lot of time to reflect, I think, on these stories. And why I bring that up is because as we read through these chapters 15 through 22, I think you're going to see a couple of those big themes we talked about. And think about this. Why does Isaiah crop up so much in Nephi's writings? Why is he going to end so powerfully the story of 1 Nephi into 2 Nephi? And why does he have two books? I mean, think about it. What other gospel author has two books? Really, think about it. Who who has two books? Let's see, Alma. Oh, no, no, there's not first and second Alma. And you're like, third Nephi. Okay, well, that's a different person. So that's just same name, but different person. Okay, so not that one. Oh, first and second Samuel. Okay, first and second Chronicles, first and second Kings. So let me tell you about those. Um, in the Hebrew version, they are the same book. But when scrolls got so long, these were rolled up paper scrolls. When they got so long they they made a second scroll and so they were probably the first and second scroll but in the hebrew bible they're just samuel kings and chronicles and and again they're they're histories so they're not written by one person either but those were good thoughts okay there there really aren't any right 
you get the letters like first, second, third Peter, first, second Corinthians. Those are letters that were written at different times. They're not books, they're letters. So it's the first letter, second letter. So this is really unique. Why do we have two books? And I think if we take a step back and we look at the structure, can answer those questions. The two books, why are we using Isaiah? What's the point of all of this? So let's, let's see if we can pick up a few clues to the answer those questions by just even saying what's going to happen in these last few chapters. So I'm just going to kind of give you a quick synopsis, um, Lori's version. Uh, you can kind of read the gospel he- or the headers if you want to. And let's kind of see if we can see what's going to happen in the end, and we'll take a step back and see if we can see what's happening in the story. What is Nephi trying to tell us? What's Nephi trying to h- tell his family with the retrospect of, I've had plenty of time to think about this, okay? Let's take a look. Okay, First Nephi 15 is this, after Nephi's had his vision and interpretation of Lehi's dream, as well as seeing into his future events, amazing series of visions and interpretations, visions of the spirit, visions with the angel interpreting, all that we've been looking at. This is when he comes back. Like it's like, turn the page, like take a breath. It's just immediately right after. So he's going to come back and it's going to be really fascinating. We're going to jump into it, but really fascinating what his family's talking about. So you've seen all these future events, all the things we've focused on, and then that's what he focused on. So this is immediately following those visions. Chapter 16 is um, a little bit of a commentary on, man, it's hard when um, Nephi's talked to his family and they're having, they're like, man, that's really hard. And so they say these are hard things and it's more than we can bear. Um, and then we get back into the uh, the narrative. So we're going to find out about more about the Liahona and some of the other things that happens, the, the difficulties, Ishmael dies, some of the afflictions, the building of the ship happens in chapter 17, and then the brethren, everyone's opposing them. So we see this conflict starting to build. Here they are, all these miracles, they're going across the ocean to the promised land, and the ship is being built, and yet the family is just breaking asunder, right? They're just not being reconciled to each other at all. Um, in chapter 18, the ship is finished. Jacob and Joseph are mentioned. Uh, the, the ship leaves. Uh, they, they leave on the boat, the ship, and then the sons of Ishmael start to rebel as well, and some of the wives. Nephi's, this is where he's bound on the ship, and there's the, the storm, and then they arrive. So again, a lot happens in a very short period of time, but we're back to the narrative, and it's going to just tell us the important parts of the narrative in the story. It's not going to tell us every how they fished, and it's not going to tell us how they uh, rode on plates and how they had a fire on the boat and how many stormy days they had. That's not the point. It's going to tell us just a few important points. Okay, so that's 18. 19, Nephi makes some plates, and he starts doing the records important, right? These key elements. Um, and then we start to see the prophecies of that, that the Savior, the God of Israel himself will come about 600 years from Lehi and Nephi is going to prophesy of Christ. So remember we talked about in the last couple episodes where there are these main themes and one of them was the Messiah, the atoning Messiah that would come. Not just the victorious Messiah in the last days, but this, this um, atoning suffering crucified messiah will come and and then the the 
scattering of Israel, the scattering of the tribes. So that's one of the others. And that's always the one where we talk about a remnant. We talk about a remnant. We talk about a remnant. Chapter 20, the purpose that the Lord has for Israel. So now we're going to say, wait a minute, all that stuff happened. And this is where the Lord is going to say the promises that he made to his people are going to come to pass. And this is, this is what I'm going to underline today. Chapter 21, again, the other theme comes back. The Messiah will come to bring a light to the Gentiles. Israel will be gathered. Israel will be gathered. And the final chapter, Israel will be scattered. The Gentiles will nourish and strengthen Israel in the gospel in the last days. Israel will be gathered and saved. And the kingdom of the devil will eventually be destroyed. Destroyed Satan will be bound. Jesus wins. Hooray. Okay, so did you see that the themes, the themes are going to be an atoning Messiah, the covenants of the Lord, a remnant, but the salvation of that remnant, the scattering, the gathering of Israel, the rule of the Gentiles, and Jesus wins in the end. Why do you think those are going to be the themes? Remember, if Nephi's writing and he's writing to whom? Who's he writing to? Nephi says, I've, the, the prophet said, I'm, uh, my family isn't going to make it. He sees that Laman and Lemuel aren't. He sees eventually the Nephites aren't going to make it either, right? They're going to be destroyed. He's writing to the future to say there's hope in these records that those Gentiles, the Lord will gather his people again, Israel. He will gather his covenant people again with the Gentiles, and they will all be saved. Us, now. And he's saying, I saw it all that is None, this isn't for naught. Jerusalem wasn't just destroyed, and then we're not going to make it either. It's all going to work out. And so he's going to return to these themes. The Messiah is going to save everyone, and how is he going to live up to these covenants and make these things happen? He's going to go back to those core covenants. He's going to go back to the scattering and the gathering of Israel and the covenant and the remnant being saved. Those are the themes that you're going to see over and over. If you got two highlighters or three and you said I'm going to go through first and second Nephi and I'm going to mark one for Messiah two for covenant and three for the remnant or anything with trees and roots and stems and vines and branches and gathering and scattering of Israel you would have almost every page just completely marked up because those three themes are going to come up over and over that's what I see so let's go back to 15 and see if we can see the same thing shall we all right, let me go back. You know, I'm, I'm going to take the challenge. I'm going to I'm going to get a different copy. If you've ever been on uh, the churchjesuschrist.org and you sign in, you can just right click on stuff and highlight uh, electronically. Or if you have a copy that you want to do, try it. Try those three things and see if it just just glance over the stuff. It would only take you, oh, I don't know, to read all of First Nephi an hour or something, right? Just kind of glance through it. So. Not study it, just glance at it. it. I think it would be really interesting. Because once I start seeing these themes, I start feeling like this is what Nephi's trying to lay out. Nephi's trying to lay out these core ideas. And there's narrative in there, so we know how we got there and who these people are and, and the boat and the miracles and the visions. But I think he's trying to tell us this Book of Mormon has these themes, the saving of... It's for the Lamanites, the Jew and the Gentile to show that Jesus is the Christ. The covenants will be restored and there's a gathering of Israel. Oh, you're right. There they are. And I think that's why, I think that's why you're going to see this. He's, 
Nephi is going to finish up first Nephi using Isaiah because that's what Isaiah is going to talk about the Messiah, the covenants and the scattering and gathering of Israel. And then he's going to use Isaiah again. He's not going to use all of Isaiah. That is not the parts of Isaiah that he's going to use. Uh, or he, if you read Isaiah, which I don't know how many of you do, I think we're all supposed to, but if you go back and read the biblical Isaiah, there's big chunks of it that Nephi does not use. These are the chunks he uses, and he's trying to tell the story. He sees it, and he's saying, likening the, likening the scriptures. I can see what Isaiah was talking about, and you guys, these are the promises he was making. He loves his family. He loves his brothers, and he's like, but it's going to work out. So let's go to 15 and start to see that. I, obviously, I'm super passionate about this. So 15, uh, chapter 15, verse 1. came to pass that after I, Nephi, had been carried away in the spirit and seen all these things, I returned to the tent of my father. So this is, again, you just turn the page. This is really early on. They've seen the vision, tree of life. He's seen, he's gotten the interpretation, and then he's seen into our future. I want to note that a lot of times we'll look at that, and of course we're, <laughs> we're like self-serving, like, hey, that's, that could be Christopher Columbus or, or uh, Cortez or whomever, right? Um, debatable, whoever it is, not probably the important part. And then you'd say also these, that uh, the church is going to come forth with the Gentiles, and we'll say, again, our recent past. And we'll get really excited about that. Um, it could even be the stories about um, the Savior, right? The New Testament stories of the Savior, of Mary, of those crucial key uh, issues that the Nephites and the Lamanites uh, needed to know in the gospel, and they see that as well. We tend to focus on those items, but this just jumped out at me when I turned this page. Nephi comes out of those visions, those things we just talked about, the things we've been talking about for a couple weeks, and we're like, wow, those are so amazing, and oh, so many things, and we've been picking them apart. And he gets back to the tent of his father, and verse 2, and it came to pass that I beheld my brethren, and they were disputing one with another concerning the things which my father had spoken. So again, Lehi's, Lehi's vision. And he truly spake many great things unto them which were hard to be understood, save a man should, should inquire of the Lord, and they being hard in their hearts, therefore they did not look unto the Lord as they ought. And now I, Nephi, was grieved because of the hardness of their hearts, and also because the things that which I had seen and knew they must unavoidably come to pass because of the great wickedness of the children of men. And it goes on. Um, lots to p unpack here, but I love that they are arguing about what Lehi saw. What are they arguing about? Are they arguing about the tree? Are they arguing about the vision? Are they trying to understand it? Nephi is saying, I, I get back from this amazing thing, and they're fighting. They're, they're arguing over it, and he knows that they're not going to make it, right, because of the hardness of their hearts. And I love the key that he says, therefore they did not look unto the Lord as they ought. When we study the scriptures, we can study them all we want. I know I go to school for this all the time and we study all these theological principles. But if we don't look to the Lord with the word, with the scriptures, we're missing it. You can study the scriptures, but if you're not looking to the Lord, if you're not using the spirit, that's not what they're for. I love that line. And he's frustrated and hurt and just, ooh. And what are they arguing about? What are they arguing about? And it came to pass that after I'd received strength, I love that. I know that's a weird point, but it, we've talked about that. Lehi comes back from his vision. Joseph Smith comes back from his vision. Sidney Rigdon, and now Nephi, 
and they they're exhausted about the spiritual experience interesting line just sneak it in there but super interesting sorry for the aside okay anyway after he receives his strength i would say insert took nap something like that i spake unto my brethren desiring to know of them the cause of their disputations they're still arguing and fighting about this stuff and they said behold we can't understand the words which our father had spoken concerning the natural branches of the olive tree and also concerning the gentiles okay what what so lehi's had this vision of the tree of life and they are arguing what was their takeaway what were they disputing what first they came from what culture jerusalem a jewish hebrew culture mostly judah right the other 10 tribes are mostly gone but they are arguing about the covenant who who was who was the covenant family of israel What's this branches? What about the Gentiles? They were arguing over that. That was what was important to them. And that is super interesting that that is exactly what they should have been arguing about. That is the culture they came from. That's not what we argue about. But that covenant of who has the covenant, who is the house of Israel, who has the rights, that was why they thought Jerusalem couldn't be destroyed because the Lord made a covenant with Jerusalem and Israel, I mean, and Judah down there in the south couldn't be destroyed. So they're like, what? This is all so confusing. We're the chosen people, right? We're the chosen people. It's not what we do. It's not how our hearts are changed. We've been chosen. So what are we talking about? So that jumped out at me. That covenant, that house of Israel. Not one of the boards I've been on, whether it's Facebook or the many really awesome Come Follow Me groups, has anybody said, I really want to talk a lot about the natural branches of the olive tree and the Gentiles. They are talking about the tree, the fruit, the building and the booting floating and the rod of iron right we get into those things but that's what we're interested in that's not what they were interested in they were interested in the covenant they were interested in the role of the house of israel get your marker out there's that theme and he has an interesting question not like well have you studied or you should ask me nephi says have you inquired of the lord and they say, we have not, for the Lord maketh no such thing known to us. Behold, well, wait a minute. Nephi just asked the same question, and he does answer those questions. But it's like, instead of saying, well, ask Lehi or whatever, have you inquired of the Lord? And they didn't, but it's interesting. They said, we didn't because the Lord doesn't tell us things. Well, it doesn't sound like you're asking. There's so much in there, right, for us. I know in these stories... I love to see myself as the hero. I look and I say, ah, I'm like Nephi. And unfortunately, as I get older, some days I think, oh, I'm a lot more Laman and Lemuel. Well, someone just needs to explain it to me, or I just wish it was easier. It's not that easy for me as some people to have faith or to understand these things or to be obedient or to pray or fill in blank. It's easy for so sister so-and-so. It's either for brother so-and-so. It's not for me. And it's like, well, maybe you haven't tried very hard. Ah, that might be true. Nephi's response, Behold, I have said unto them, How is it that you do not keep the commandments of the Lord? Wait, how did the commandments sneak in here? Weren't we just... <laughs> this is about asking. This is about understanding. This is about visions and angels and understanding the will of the Lord. And he's like, How is it that you don't keep the commandments? How is it that you will perish because of the hardness of your hearts? Why do they not keep the commandments? Because their hearts are hard. They haven't changed internally. Do you not remember the things which the Lord has said? If ye will not harden your hearts and ask me in faith, believing that ye shall receive with diligence and keeping my commands, 
commandments, surely these things shall be made known unto you. He's telling them, well, hasn't the Lord promised this? By the way, where is that scripture? He's quoting scripture. Where is that scripture? I, th- I, I actually don't know where it is, is my point. I don't know where that scripture is. Let's see. Let me see if I can find out. Hold on. I couldn't quite find the exact scripture. It might be an amalgam of a couple things, including some of Lehi's, uh, but lots of promises. But here's some takeaways. The brethren did believed in God, but they didn't believe in a God that communicated. They didn't change their hearts. They didn't go to the scriptures or to the Lord with faith. They didn't ask of him. They just argued. But it's interesting that Nephi doesn't tell them that, uh, that they just need to ask but he accuses them of not keeping the commandments. So we don't know which ones he's officially referring to, but it seems that they're guilty of not just asking, but there were probably other things keeping them. They're hardening their hearts. They're not obeying. They don't believe or have faith that God is a relational father that wants to communicate with them. Um, they're just they're just wondering. They're just, just arguing. Uh, really big insights, I think, with how to communicate, how to understand scripture, and how different it is for Nephi and why he stands out so much. We're out of uh, time, Scriptorians, but as you go through, our challenge for this verse, uh, chapters 15 through 22 is, again, look for the message of the Messiah, which, by the way, they don't ask any questions out either, so that's super weird, but um, the Messiah, the covenants, and the remnant or the gathering of Israel. Watch for those three themes and your next three, and we'll keep going next time. Thanks again, everybody. Keep reading.